Colossians 1 if you have your Bibles. Um, one of the things that I love about living in California is the fact that I get to go to Yosemite. If you've never gone, which I'm very surprised to find people here that live in the valley that have never gone, you need to go. Because once you get there, once you go through, especially coming through the southern view, you go through the tunnel view, and you just see how huge the valley is. But then you go down into the valley, and you look up at the rock walls, and you start to feel insignificant. Isn't that weird? Going to a, a, you know something that's so cool yet makes you feel so small. I think that's really important for us to understand. Because we need to understand how big is our God. It's interesting, if you ask Brandon how big he is, he will usually put his arms out and go, this big. Ask any kid, they usually, that's how big they are, because that's as far as they can stretch. And he's like, really, really big. And I remember after taking him to the uh, water park for the first time, he was three and a half years old, and uh, he thought he was such a grown-up kid afterward. And uh, I I said something to him, and he looks at me, and he goes, I am no longer a big boy. And I go, you're no longer a big boy? No, I'm a bigger boy now. Bigger boy? Yes. You can call me bigger boy Brandon now. So for a good six months, but called him Bigger Boy Brandon. He thinks of himself as, as growing, as independent, as, and strong. And he, he doesn't like being compared to, to Grayson, the size of Grayson. Sometimes I'll pick Brandon up in my arms and I'll go, oh, you're just like a baby. You know, he's hanging out all over the place. And he's like, no, and he starts to squirm out of my arms and stuff. He doesn't like that comparison because he's no longer a baby. And it's important for us to know and to understand that, and it's important for him to know and understand that he is growing. But he needs to understand how big he is. Because along with that, he needs to, you know, it's important for him to understand that he's not bigger than what he is. Even though he's growing up, even though he's getting bigger, it doesn't mean I allow him to go out and use my power tools. That would not be a good idea, would it? He would either mess up himself or he would mess something else up because he's not quite that big. He doesn't understand the power there. Knowing how big big something is is important. So, how big is our God? How big is Christ in your life? That's the question. I believe that, you know, it's a direct result in how we live and how big we think God is. Do you understand my point? I understand it in my mind, but sometimes I say something really weird. How we live designates how we think God is in our life, how big we think God is. For many of us, we forget how big he is. So he remains really small in our life. We forget that we should feel safe in his arms. We forget that he can shield us and protect us during those times that we needed shielding and and protecting. We forget that sometimes he can throw us out there and say, go for it, Alan, go for it, and throw your name in there. You, You got this one. We forget that. We are not convinced that he can protect us. And the result of this 
as us living sometimes in a constant state of fear. Because everything depends on us and our life. Man, if it all depends on me, we're in trouble. If it all depends on you, we're in trouble. You see what I'm saying? It needs to depend on God because a lot of times when we, we re- depend on ourselves, our mood is dependent on our circumstance. How many times has your mood been dependent on your circumstance and not the grand scheme of God's plan? Oh, man. Too many times. Oftentimes when we have a, ch- you know, a chance to share our faith, we don't because you know, we, we might get rejected. We feel that, that maybe you know, the person's not receptive and we go into the what if thinking. You know, what if I say something wrong? Because in this type of thinking, it all depends on who? Us. All depends on us. Because our God is small. If God is small, we won't be so generous in this life. Because our financial security depends on who? Us. When you need to comfort a friend or a family member, or not comfort, but confront a friend or a family member about sin, you will probably hold back. Because we're a slave to what people think of us, right? Oh, man. We do not... What if, what if they don't like me anymore? What if they reject me? What if they don't want to listen to me? What, you know, we go into the what if mode that we've talked about before. Because God doesn't matter because he is small. When God is small, we're tempted. And when we're tempted, we go with the, you know, we go with the temptation because our God is small. When you shouldn't take credit for something that, you know, that happens... We do. Why? Because we don't trust in a big God. When somebody gets mad at us, we become insecure because our security is not secured in the Lord, a God who loves us. So really, it shouldn't matter what somebody thinks of us when we go and confront them as long as we're doing it in the loving kindness of God. A result is fear and purposelessness and no hope in our lives. See, a lot of us go through, through life as God being a kind of a, a small God mentality. Kind of like, I believe in God, but I, he's on the shelf with my Bible, and too often it gathers a little too much dust. You know, I brush it off every now and then. Got to keep things clean. But how often do we really truly live with God in our life in an everyday basis? Because humans have not changed much since Paul's teaching so many years ago. Paul's teaching is relevant today as it was back then. That the God we serve is not a small God. He is not a tribal God. He is not a, a sun God or a water God. You cannot attribute one thing to God. Our God is ever encompassing. He is all over. Nowhere else in the New Testament is God described quite like this. Maybe revelations, but, but Paul is writing here because there's this false teaching out there that's going around Colossae that Jesus is just one of many gods. Jesus just, is just one of hundreds of God. You know, a small G God, as I like to say. But not a God who came out of heaven to be with us, to be here on this earth, to die for our sins. 
but just a God just like anything else. We wouldn't say that Jesus is one of many gods, but, but you know, for some of us, in all practical purposes, we live our lives as an atheist. And, and what I'm trying to say is, we say we believe in God, but we live our lives in a way that says that we don't believe in God. I'm not trying to chastise you as much for me as it is for you in, in that sense. Sometimes we live our lives as if God doesn't even exist because we've ignored him. I want to encourage you not to ignore God because our lives reflect this and the choices that we make. So the question is, how big is your God? Well, let's read what the Apostle Paul writes. He writes, He, as in God, as in Jesus, is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So how big is your God? For some reason we feel so alone sometimes. We kind of get going in life, and, and we, we hit a rut, we hit, a, hit something, and we feel so alone because maybe we don't have our best friends to come to our rescue, or, or you know, we hit a situation where we don't talk to other people about it, and, and, you know, or, or, or maybe somebody in our family passes away, and, 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 and life just, you start to feel alone. And I truly wish that we could understand, understand that God, you know, that our God is so big that we are never ever alone in this world. All we have to do is turn around and see God. You know, I once saw this documentary about, uh, about a bear in the woods. This bear had uh, been killed. A mother bear died and, and, um, by this uh, mountain lion, and she had a cub. And the cub was kind of adopted by this big male grizzly bear. And, and, you know, the big bear was kind of almost like motherly instincts took over in this male bear, which is very unusual. And, and the cameras followed this, the, this bear, the, the two bears, the cub and, and the grizzly, and, and he started, as they were raising them. But they also caught the sight of the mountain lion that killed the mother bear. And as they were filming it, they were watching the mountain lion. You know, every so often, the mountain lion would come around and, in a sense, stalk the little cub. You know, kind of be out there ready to, you know, if the big grizzly bear ever goes away, he's going to be all over it. You know what I mean? Well, one time, the big grizzly disappeared. The little cub was all alone. And the mountain lion was ready to attack. And this was all playing out on the cameras. It was very interesting. I don't know how they... They did this, but they did it well. And you see the little bear copy what the grizzly would do. The little bear turns around and just goes, you know, okay, you know how grizzly roars, right? Well, the little bear can't do that. So he's like, you know, 
And the mountain lion, you see the mountain lion just ready to pounce, and all of a sudden, it kind of, his eyes grow big, and he takes off the other direction. And if you would think about it, you know, oh, the little bear scared him away. He was just like daddy, just like the big bear. No, well, you didn't know it, but the big bear would come up behind and raise his paws. Scared the mountain lion away, okay? The Bible says that God is with us all the time. All we have to do is recognize it in our life. We're like the little cub. We're like the little cub that all of a sudden we're out there in life alone and we're fixing to get attacked and we're like, I can take care of this on my own. Roar! And God's right behind us. We need to realize that God is there. When we are awake, he is with us. When we are asleep, he is with us. When we are at work, he is with us. When we are at play, he is with us. When we are at school, he is with us. When we worship, he is with us. We are not lost. And when we feel lost, when we feel like we've lost our way, we need to realize that God is there. That is how big our God is. Because when we live with a small God, we go through life frightened. When we live with a big God, we kind of, you know, our faith is a little more risky. The things that we try are a little, you know, that are out there. You know, we have this fearless obedience, this captivating worship and great evangelism by the way we live our lives. This is what Paul is talking about. This ginormous God, that's one of the words my son loves right now, ginormous. We have a ginormous God. Paul says in verse 18, he is the image of the invisible, or 15, he is the image of the invisible God. This is a remarkable statement about God who walked in a human body. When you look at Jesus, you see God. The word Paul uses here is the word for, for image. We get the, this is where we get the word icon from. It means portrait. And back then, you know, they didn't have cameras back there. So somebody would literally have to come and paint or draw a portrait of someone. Jesus is a portrait of God. A little kid, uh, you know, was drawing a picture one day and mom says, What are you drawing? He goes, A picture of God. Mom says, No one knows what God looks like. The little kid says, well, when I get done, they will know. (laughs) How do we know what God looks like? I mean, do we look at the shroud of Turin or whatever that thing is? Don't get suckered into that, people. We know what God looks like because we look to Jesus for the answer. How How did Jesus treat people? That's how God treats people. How did he care for people? That's how God cares for people. How did he respond to, to, to those who, who had a need? That's how God responds to us when we have a need. Who did he spend his time with? What did he do when he spent his time? That's who God is. Paul says in verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Every bit of God was in Jesus when he was on this earth. He was fully God and fully human. It was kind of a weird concept, but that's how it was. When you see Jesus, you see God. In fact, Paul later on says in Colossians 2.9, he says, 
For in, for in Christ all fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. And if we would start understanding that God is in charge of the powers and authorities of, in this world, we would do a lot less worrying, wouldn't we? I don't hear a response, wouldn't we? See, we don't think of God as being able to inhabit matter, but he did through Jesus Christ. All of God was right here on this earth. He walked here. This means I can be confident that God knows what I'm facing in this world. I can be confident that God understands. You know, I don't have to be afraid of this life. Think of it like this. If you ever wonder what God thinks of something... Look to Jesus. How did he treat the little children? Come to me, he said. What does Jesus think about sinners? Did he shun them and, and kick them to the curb and say, well, I can't believe you sinned. Get out of here. No. He went to them. He helped the sinners. What did he, you know, about suffering and, and loss? I mean, Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus and cried over it before, before Lazarus was raised. You don't have to wonder if he will keep forgiving you if you've sinned. Just look to the story of the prodigal son. The father was out there waiting for the son who had taken everything from him all his inheritance early, went out and squandered it, and the father still said, I want a relationship with you. Come back to me. He is waiting for us to come back to him. So how big is your God? He is bigger than anything that we can imagine. Look at the things that Jesus did, and we get a glimpse of how big God is. He raised people from the dead. He healed people. That is our God. Then Paul goes on and says, he is the image of the, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Isaiah from the Old Testament said, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? The hollow, that means, you know, you know they, if you don't have a cup, what do you do? You get around water, do you? The hollow of your hand. Who's measured the heavens? Right there. How big is God? I mean, like the sip of a water is like our oceans. He goes on and says, or, or with the breath of his hand, mark out the heavens. Took his fingers and he measured this big, this big, this big. Okay, that's the heavens. Now with the Hubble telescope and all the other things that are, uh, that are out there in space, how big, are, uh, how big are the heavens? Our, our answer, I, I kinda, sorry, I kind of backdoored you here. Our answer should be the width of his hand. You see what I'm saying? We th I mean, it's huge, but it's just the width of God's hand. It's just a measurement to him. Another scripture says that God asks, how big should I make the heavens? Eh, about that big. Wow. 
God dwarfs the universe. God is bigger than anything you could imagine. God holds the universe. In Isaiah 40, 25, says, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift your eyes to the heaven. Who created all these things? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls each by name. Because of the great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God calls the stars by names. Now we look at the planets, and many of the stars we see up there are planets, but we've named the nine planets, or eight and a half now, I guess. They've changed science, and now Pluto's not really a planet. I don't know. You have to fuss with the, you know, the people out there about that. But how many stars can you name other than those planets? I mean, there's PS22894767-12. I mean, they got all sorts of names for stars. But how many personally can we name? I mean, God named them all. He can bring them out one by one. This is like him going, oh, let me show you this. Oh, this is my little cup. Oh, this is my plate. This is my, he brings them out one by one. But, I mean, imagine how many stars are out there. God knows every one of them. And if God is in control of all of that, then why do I live my life being afraid? I can't live my life being afraid. I do what I can for my family and for my sons, but I can't think of the what-ifs that might come. I can't live like that. I don't have to worry about what happens because God is going to take care of me through the ups and downs. God is going to take care of my family through the ups and downs. Why? Because I'm a believer in Him and I follow His ways. So I live my life that way. And we've, you know, I've told you the stories over and over about the birth of Brandon and, and the doctors just being amazed at how we weren't all afraid about what was going to happen and, and going on with, with the fibroids and, and Lisa, Lisa bleeding, all that kind of, they were just amazed. And I'm just like, we just live our lives trusting that God is going to take care of us. That's how we do it. Jesus even says, don't worry about tomorrow. That is huge. How many of us worried about something this past week? Yeah, every hand goes up, right? We all worry, and it, our God is imploring us. He's asking us not to worry. It doesn't mean we ignore, but, it's, but we don't worry. We don't put the burden on our shoulders. We put the burden on God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. See, the Colossians, the people that lived there in Colossae, were very into you know, speculating about spiritual things, and, and you know, much like today. Uh, you, you know, angels and demons and worship of, of different beings and the spiritual world. And Paul is saying, every human power... Every government, every corporation, your boss, every fallen angel, and I'm not comparing your boss to fallen angels. I'm not doing that. But everything that was created both here and in the heavens is just child's play in the hands of God because he created them all. Jesus overpowers any force that tries to stop me from worshiping him. 
All I have to do is allow him to do that because he's in control of everything. He's in control of every addiction that we might have. He's in control of every government in this world. He's in control of every supernatural thing. It says here in verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Paul uses the the perfect tense here. It's a continuous action in the Greek. Not just a one-time thing. In Jesus, all things were uh, all things are continually being held together. Jesus did, didn't just create and walk away. He's right there along with it for the long haul. He's holding things together. He allows the sun to shine. He keeps the earth rotating at the perfect speed so we don't go flying off of it. I mean, the, I mean, if you think about it, or maybe you've never thought about this, the earth actually rotates very fast. And we have no clue, yet we stay right here. We're not bouncing, we're not flying off into space. We're not bouncing all over the place. He holds all things together. Have you ever heard a person say, I don't know if I can hold it all together? I think we say that too often. We don't have to. It's not our job. We look to Jesus to help us hold things together. Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Just a word. Just his voice holds all things together. So how big is your God? He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, verse 18 says, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Paul, Paul uses unusual words when he talks about death here. You know, we feel death is destruction, and, and I keep trying to tell my son that, um, you know, he's like, oh, I killed it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't talk like that. Because when, when you kill something, it's, you know, it's... I, I tell him it's permanent because he doesn't quite understand the concept of, of heaven and life continuing, okay? So, so I'm, I'm not trying to be theologically wrong. I'm just trying to speak in a language that he understands. So you, you understand what I'm saying? But I'm like, that, that's kind of a, we look at that as a permanent thing. Even though, you know, my dad is in heaven. I don't look at it as a permanent, it's a permanent ending to his time here on earth, beginning of his time in heaven, Okay. But I'm like, he's like, I killed it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't talk about like that. We, we don't kill things. Your Legos fall apart. <laughs> you know, you knocked it over. Because you can put it back together and keep playing with it. You know, killing means it goes away. And you don't have it anymore. I want him to understand the difference on that. And slowly over time, he will. But we think of death. We, we feel death is destruction. And I did some research. When your body is dead, guess what? It's dead. Death is real. Life is fragile. But it's not the end. Because Jesus was the beginning. He was the firstborn over all creation. He was the firstborn to rise from the dead. So therefore, we can rise from the dead. Because death is not the end. So how big is your God? He is the image of God. He is the agent of creation. 
He's the Lord over all. He's the sustainer of life. He's the conqueror of death. He is the liberator of life. So here's the question again. Do you live with an understanding of how big God is? And if the answer is yes, then I want to implore you to to act that out in your life. Live that out in your life. Act like God is a big God. Get out there and talk about God. Get out there and live for God. Stand up for God. Moses went up against Pharaoh. God told him he would deliver him and his people. But God, how am I supposed to do that? You just go do your part. We'll take care of the rest. But God, for us to go, we have to go through a river. Yeah, I'll take care of that. But Moses still had to take the first step into the river in a sense, right? In other words, you have to believe sometimes in a big God. So God will go forward with you. We have to take a step of faith. When's the last time that you've taken a step of faith? I mean, you literally had to take a step of faith and say, God, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I trust you. We see this, you know, sometimes it's, it's little steps in our life and, and that are very important that we keep those little steps of faith going, okay? I mean, sometimes we, we don't all have to take the step of faith and go be a, a missionary in Africa for, for 10 years. I mean, you know, that's, God doesn't call everybody to that. And for some reason we feel like, you know, a lot of people feel like, well, I can't go to God because God's going to ask me to do that. No, he just wants you to live for him one step at a time. For us, even adopting Grayson was a step of faith. I mean, we, we knew some, uh, some different things. He has a pulmonary stenosis. You guys can keep that on your, your prayer list. And, the, and that there's a whole bunch of technical terms to what that means. But, but basically, he has a, a small heart murmur, and hopefully it will remain small. But we took a step of faith going this direction and, uh, and adopting him, knowing that this issue was there, knowing that, uh, that possibly that, uh, uh, that he would have to have heart surgery later on and all these different things. But it was a step of faith for us. We felt that God wanted us to take that step of faith. And we get the result of the blessing of that, of having another child. What blessings do you receive when you take a step of faith in your life? You don't know unless you take that step. Here are two ways we can live with a big God. The first way is in our relationships. Maybe you're bitter with somebody and you need to clear that up on your end. You can't control their reaction, but you can control your reaction. You can control your side of things. And maybe, you know, it starts with forgiveness or, or, or you know, one thing I've learned is if you don't have forgiveness in your life, bitterness will take over. And bitterness will ruin you. You know, the Bible talks about the root of bitterness. And when you have a root of bitterness, what grows? Something awful, something very bitter. It's not a good fruit. It's not like somebody picks that off and tastes it and goes, oh, yeah, I want another one of those. They run the other direction. Don't allow bitterness to take over. Forgiveness started with God, and you cannot forgive somebody without God. You have to take that step of faith, and God will help you along the way. Maybe there's somebody you need to love. You know, sometimes it's hard to love some people. And as you look up here, you're probably going, yep. But sometimes it's just hard to love somebody. 
But God says, I'll help you. Just start out by being kind. Just one kind word to that person. Just start, just start with that. It doesn't mean you have to go, you know, you know, 100 miles per hour. Start out at one mile per hour. Just be kind one time. And then next time, twice. Maybe do something loving for them. Maybe even just say hi to them. Wow, I thought that person hated me. And they just said hi in, a, in the most friendly voice. Or maybe you need to have compassion toward another culture. You know, there's enough, uh, there's enough hatred in this world to, to be prejudiced against a certain culture or something like that. You know, I, I've talked about this before, but when I was an athletic trainer uh, at University of Houston, we flew to Japan and we played in the Coca-Cola Bowl. And the only reason why it was a bowl game was because Coca-Cola was paying for it, Okay. So they flew two teams, and we played Arizona State, and, and we had a blast. I mean, it was, it was such a cool culture to go into, and, and I mean, the grocery stores are underground, which is really weird, you know? They don't have that much space, so they dug down, and that's where they put them. I mean, it was really a fun time for, for us. But our head trainer, he stayed in the hotel room and did absolutely nothing. He went to practice, he went to go eat, he went to practice, he went to go eat, he went to practice, he went to go eat, then he went to the game. He went back to the hotel, packed up his stuff, and got on the plane and left Japan. He never once went out into the culture or did anything. The reason why was he only had one leg. The other one was chopped off below the knee. He had a little nub, and he would scare all his grandkids. He'd stick it out of the pool and do this, and the kids, ah! It was fun. At Halloween, well, okay, okay, I, I have a little time. At Halloween, he would sit out, he would, he would, uh, put overalls on and, and put a whole bunch of, you know, straw and hay hanging out. And he would paint himself all up and he would leave one leg off. You know, he'd leave the leg off. So the overalls was folding up underneath and he would just sit there on the porch. And all the neighborhood kids knew this. And they'd come up and he'd wait for them there right before they ring that doorbell and he'd move and they'd all scream and go running. So he had a fun sense of humor. But the reason why his leg was cut off was because the doctor in town, the young doctor, had to go off to World War II because Japan attacked us. And, his, and, and, the, and the doctor ended up dying, and they, they sent another doctor to, to the town that really didn't know much, so they put a cast on and gangrene set in, so they had to cut off part of his leg. And then he had some good friends, because he was, he was like 17, almost 18, he had good friends that were killed. Well, he held on to that bitterness. He, he never forgave. So what did he do when we had a chance to go to Japan? He sat in the hotel room. Bitterness, forgiveness, you know, compassion for another culture. The way you have compassion for another culture is to go spend some time with somebody from that culture. You'd be amazed at the love and compassion that God will give you towards them. Maybe you have someone you need to speak the truth to. In love, but you haven't done it because fear of their reaction. With the love of God, you can confront them. Maybe you've been deceived or, or lied to by, you know, or felt like you were lied to. You need to clear that up. You can't imagine the weight that is lifted in our lives when we allow this stuff to, you know, to be under God's control. To live with a big God and understand that He is in control of everything and to follow his leading his leading in our life gives us such a a a burden that's lifted off our shoulders so that's relational 
But we also need to live with a big God in our spiritual life. How do I know I'm growing? That's a great question to ask. That's one that every one of us needs to ask. And in Colossians, there's a verse that goes to the heart of that question. How do I know I'm growing? And it's Colossians 3.17. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and the Father through Him. If you want to understand what the goal of, uh, you know, we'll use church words here, spiritual formation, the goal of what God wants to happen in our life, it's that verse right there. And by the end of Colossians, you should know that verse very well. Whatever you do, whether in deed or word, or word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is the essential character of Christ. The essential character. Do what Jesus would do in your place. Do life in the character of Jesus. I mean, how compassionate, you know, or how comprehensive is that statement? Whatever you do, there's no loopholes in there. There is no, well, it depends on what the definition of is is. Whether in word or deed, it covers it all. To do everything in Jesus' name. That is a big God in our life. So how big is your God? This week, that's what you need to be asking. This week is the week to go, how big is my God at my work? How big is my God in my school? How big is my God in my relationships? How big is my God in my addictions? How big is my God in the middle of my sin? Oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. God's not in the middle of my sin. He's everywhere. He understands. And he wants us to turn around and say, forgive me, Father. But when we confront those things and we rear up and go, roar, we need to understand that God is behind going, roar. Our God is a big God. And when Satan attacks us, we have something bigger than ourselves to go against him. Live life like that. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand and and pray as the worship team comes up. Lord, I just ask that we start to understand how big you are in our life. That we start our lives, uh, you know, our daily life out with you. That we start to understand that, that, uh, that if we live our life like you're a big God, that things really come under perspective. And a lot of times it's all about perspective, Lord. Sometimes we understand, sometimes we don't. But if we know that you are in control, then we can live our life free of burdens, free of worry, free of the small things that get get in the way of this life, in the way of the joy and the, and the great things that we can have, that we can have through you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he bless you in this life. May he reveal the, the vastness of who he is, that he is bigger than the heavens could ever, uh, could ever be. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.